When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Tom Bernard Show with Andy Bernard and Mike Molina. And we'll be right back. A little news, a little information. I was going to say we're, we have a guest this hour, but I'm not going to say it because <laughs> it'll never happen if I say it, so never mind. We'll be right back. Tom Bernard Show. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt then talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company and they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people have fear of attorneys. It makes them very uncomfortable. They get nervous about it. What should I do? I've known Michael for years and years now, and I would highly recommend you. So that should be good enough for everybody because I don't endorse people who are dirtbags. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, but I guess the key is, is people think I'll charge them if I talk to them. Right. So a lot of people call me up. It's like, how much is this going to cost if you call me back? Like, you want me to call you back? How much will that cost? I don't charge people. The only way I get paid is if we recover, um, if we get money from the, the other side. And there's a lot of people I talk to that I never get paid for that are just part of giving them advice to make sure they know what they can do and what their rights are. And your record's terrific as well, we should point out. Well, it works. It's been good. <laughs> it's been good, ladies and gentlemen. It's been good. And how do they contact you? And, uh, e- either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. Walzer Automotive is a Minnesota family-owned business. It started in the 50s. It's grown by leaps and bounds, especially in the past few years, and they now have 23 dealerships spread across two states. The Walzer way includes upfront, no-haggle pricing on every single new and used vehicle they sell. If you change your mind, no problem. Check out Walzer's three-day return and 30-day exchange policy. I'm a customer, my family are customers, and many of my friends have bought cars from them. The Walzer way is really different, and I know you'll be pleasantly surprised. For great deals on new or used Acura, Audi, Buick, BMW, Chevrolet, Chrysler, Dodge, GMC, Honda, Hyundai, Jaguar, Jeep, Land Rover, Lexus, Mazda, Mercedes, Mini, Nissan, Porsche, Ram, Subaru, or Toyota, go to Walzer.com, Walzer Automotive Group, Walzer.com. You know, there are stories that I do cover on the morning show, but then I cover them again on the afternoon show because they're just so good that you have to do it. You know, it's a different audience. Uh, the morning show is basically, uh, you know, Minneapolis-St. Paul deal, and the digital show is all over the country, so I just couldn't pass this story up. Now, I, I do need to mention this young lady is an African-American woman, and she, she would be very pretty, except she's got a look at her eye like, just don't get out of line. She's just got that look in her eye. You know what I mean? Uh, this might be one of the worst excuses we've ever heard from a criminal, and that's saying something. Cops in Fort Pierce, Florida. Not a, where is Fort Pierce? I have no idea where Fort Pierce, Florida even is. Looks like it is... I wish... Google Maps would load faster. That'd be nice. Still not loading? Still loading. There we go. Um, it's really kind of in the middle of nowhere. It's like halfway between Orlando and Miami on the East Coast. Halfway between Orlando and Miami, that's about 300 miles. Yeah, but it, it looks like it's about 
60 miles north of West Palm Beach. Oh, okay. So, yeah, there's not a whole lot there. Oh, so my, Mom just dumped Jude on us again in the podcast studio. Way to go. Jude. So destroy more stamps. Uh, anyway, cops in Fort Pierce, Florida, pulled a car over last month after they saw it swerving around the road. 26-year-old Kanisha Posey was the driver. They ended up finding a bag of pot in her purse, and she admitted it was hers. But they also found a bag of cocaine. And when they asked her about it, here's what she came up with. She talked about how windy it was that day and said it must have, quote, flown through the window and into her purse. Yeah, that's what happened. She actually tried to tell the cops that the bag of cocaine flew through the window of her car and into her purse. She's facing a misdemeanor charge for the marijuana and one felony count for possession of cocaine. I just love that story so much. Yes, I'm a cop, and you're going to tell me that the wind blew a bag of cocaine through the window in your car, and it went automatically into your purse. That's what you're telling me. And she also didn't notice it happening. Apparently she didn't notice it happening. If a bag of cocaine flew into my car, the first thing I would do is throw it out the window. I hope you didn't lock the door or close the door because... Mom left, and therefore he will go berserk. Oh, well, he's looking for her. Yeah, Once well, he realizes she's gone, he'll settle down and come back he'll in. He'll knock on the door? He probably will. You're probably in right fact, about there that. he is. He's knocking at the door now. Let me in. I wanted to get out, but now I want to get in. Jude can be a pain in the ass, let's be honest. There's no question <laughs> about it. What are you going to do? Well, here's a nice story. So now Ben Affleck, as you know, got in some huge trouble, and I uh, was... Accused of groping women and forcing himself on women and all the rest of it. A hospice in Atlanta was hoping to find someone to come in and impersonate Batman for a young boy named Makuta with terminal cancer because he's a huge Batman fan. And the call was answered by Ben Affleck. He couldn't be there in person because he's filming a movie in Hawaii, but he reached out through FaceTime uh, Makuta didn't recognize Ben right away because he has a beard now, but he was excited when he figured it out. Ben also offered to help pay for Makuta's mother to fly to the U.S. from Zimbabwe to see him. That's a terrible story. This kid does moms in Zimbabwe. He's here in America. But, you know, look, Ben Affleck, you've you know, gone down the road you've gone, and now it's time to make, uh, make up for some of the stuff you've done. So, uh... Oh, God. Evil Mel Tucker had to comment, and it is Evil Mel Tucker. Hospice Atlanta is calling for Batman. Melissa has been next to Makuta daily and has come to know that Batman is his favorite superhero. He has cholangiocarcinoma. Is it cholangio or cholangio? It's a C-H. Cholangio. That sounds like uh, the veins of the uh, gallbladder. Oh, okay. Let's see. Yep, bile duct cancer. Sadly, his life is going to end soon, days or maybe a week. We need a Batman costume or someone to be the Batman themselves. Uh, Yeah. So uh, visiting nurse Hospice Atlanta put in such a memorable day for Makuta, who's a super Batman fan. He received a phone call from uh, Ben Affleck today. Thanks to the widespread community support and helping us deliver on our mission to improve the lives of those we serve. Uh, So that's very cool. This poor kid, how old is he? He doesn't look to be any more than about 10 years old. And the kid's got less than a week to live. Good God. Why does that happen? A lot of parasites can cause cause that. Oh, really? And, you know, if... In Zimbabwe? Yeah. If he's in Zimbabwe, then, yeah, that's almost definitely what happened. Well, they flew him here from Zimbabwe. Oh, yeah, but he was in Zimbabwe and probably got... Yeah. It sounds like he was. It just, I mean, honest to God, living to be 10 years old and you love Batman and all you want to do is just live a normal life and you, you end up dying at 10 or he, he might be, maybe he's older than that, but he doesn't look like it. Well, yeah, a lot of around the world, I did the math one time and I think it's about once every three seconds, someone under 18 dies in the world. What? Yeah. How did you do, how'd you do that math? Um, I took the percentage of there's the, the information is out there. Oh, it is. Yeah, people. How many people per year under eighteen die? And then you just divide that by the number of seconds in a year, and there you go. Yeah, that's terrible. There's a lot of awful places on Earth. 
No question about it. I don't know. Melina, what do you think of this whole Conor McGregor story? You think it's fake? Yeah. I mean, definitely has a couple of screws yeah. loose, but yeah, just trying to get back in the headlines. I think everything, everything about him is fake. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's... he's a manufactured person. The UFC released more footage of the chaos Conor McGregor caused at the Barclays Center on Thursday. Uh, a lot of people suggested this was an all-stage by the UFC as a publicity stunt, but the big boss himself, Dana White, told TMZ, quote, that's the dumbest thing I've heard in my life. If you're still not sure what caused all of this, Dana said it was 100% retaliation for an altercation earlier in the week between Connor's buddy Artem Labov and another fighter named Khabib Nurmagomedov. Get real names. Wait. <laughs> he has like a... Middle Eastern first name, but an Eastern European last name? Yeah, I don't really understand that either. Khabib Nurmagomedov. Uh, who knows? Nurmagomedov. Let's see here. He's Russian. Apparently, Khabib is a Russian name. Really? Khabib is a Russian name. It doesn't sound real, but it's know. apparently true. Apparently, it is true. Oh, he's the first Muslim. He's like a... A Muslim, Muslim who moved to Russia, yeah. Okay. Russia's well. a really weird... Well, you know, like, our uh, niece, she's, like, got darker skin than any of us, and yeah, she's she from does. Russia. Yeah, she's Russian. That's There's, true. Well, Russia's such a huge place. I mean, Russian doesn't really mean anything. Well, but that's it usually true. means, like, from the Moscow area. Yeah, it's very, very but, true. But, like, in northern Siberia and stuff, and out in Kamchatka, many different peoples is... I love Joe from Louisville. How big was the bag of Coke? None of your business, Mr. Uh, Sobriety. Well, if it's big enough, then it couldn't have flown from the wind. So. I'm, that's not why he's asking. None of your beeswax, pal. Um, you know, we talked earlier about uh, what people have actually gone through hell, and then everybody wants to jump on the bandwagon and say, trying to claim they went through something very similar when it's not anything like yeah. As bad as what you went through or somebody else went through. Yeah, everyone has to say, my life was hard, too. Molly Ringwald watched The Breakfast Club with her 10-year-old daughter a while back, and it got her thinking about the classic movie she made with John Hughes back in the day and how inappropriate some of the content is in the Me Too, hashtag Me Too era. Like when Judd Nelson's character, John Bender, goes under the table and peeks up the skirt of Molly's character, Claire, then he apparently touches her inappropriately, although they don't actually show it. And it doesn't end there. In an essay for the New Yorker, Molly says, quote, Bender sexually harasses Claire throughout the film. When he's not sexualizing her, he takes out his rage on her with vicious contempt. He never apologizes for I don't know if you know this or not, uh, Molly, but it was a movie. It wasn't real. He didn't do it uh, when the cameras weren't rolling. You can't really compare that to women who actually have suffered through uh, this kind of thing. Um, I don't know. She's also a little squeamish about 16 Candles, especially when Jake basically gives his drunk girlfriend to Farmer Ted, played by Anthony Michael Hall. They wake up in a car the next morning, relatively certain they had sex. When Ted asks the girl if she enjoyed it, she says, quote, you know, I have this weird feeling I did. Molly says, quote, she had to have a feeling about it rather than I thought, because thoughts are things we have when we are conscious and she wasn't. What the hell are you talking about? But the guy was drunk and that's not a problem. It's only a problem that the girl was drunk. That's interesting. Yeah, I don't know. That, I, I, well, see, that's exactly what I'm talking about. She wants to just jump it. Uh, whatever. What happened to her career, by the way? What happened to Molly Ringwald? Sounds like she was she annoying herself out of the business, but <laughs> it kind of sounds like that. Let's the, see. And the only problem I have with that again is, look, if you want to complain about the movies and they were too sexualized and all the rest of it, but you know, I watch it with my daughter, and I look. Some women actually went through this stuff. That's a whole different deal, right? I mean, it's just completely different. It's a completely different deal. So you want to be part of it. I, you know, to tell you the truth, I saw uh, 16 Candles and I saw The Breakfast Club. I don't remember any of those scenes. Do you? No. I've never seen it, either of them. So oh, you've I'm never not, seen either of them? I'm not helpful. No, I just, I don't remember any of those scenes in those movies. I just, I don't know. I, it's just, it was a different world back then. I, and, you know, obviously as the world goes on... Uh, it will change more and more and more. I, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. You were in all those movies, and you didn't remember those scenes until you watched them with your daughter. Is that what you're saying? Is that right? Sounds I mean, like it. it. She talked. Yeah, sounds like it. 
So I don't know. I, it just the whole thing seems to me to be. I just don't insert yourself into things that other people have actually been through. Well, it's just you like know, Conor McGregor. It's just another person needing attention. Yeah, know. pretty much. I just you need know. some attention. Nobody knows who I am anymore, yeah, and I, I been, you know, whatever. You know, whatever happened to her career? It's been thirty years since she was, you know, on the red carpet. And I, and I still don't understand why, uh, what that was all about. She, she all of a sudden just went away. That happens to actors. Uh, maybe they won't put up with the BS anymore or, or whatever. Uh, but she, her, she just all of a sudden was just gone. Wasn't that odd? Yeah. I don't know. Whatever. Dennis Kucinich was mocked in his presidential bids. Turns out he was the future of politics. What does that mean? I don't really... Isn't he a commentator on Fox now? That's what I thought. Talk show host Larry King was peering down a long table in an auditorium at the University of Southern California. It was February 2004, and the candidates contending for the Democratic presidential nomination had assembled for a debate. At the far end, fixed in King's gaze, was Dennis Kucinich, then a member of Congress from Cleveland. Filling the remaining seats were then-Senator John Kerry of Massachusetts, then-Senator John Edwards of North Carolina, and the Reverend Al Sharpton. What the hell he was doing there, I will never understand. (laughs) You talk about a complete scumbag that doesn't pay his taxes, but he's always invited to this stuff. I'll never understand it. Uh, already former Governor Howard Dean, then Representative Dick Gebhardt of Missouri, and then Senator Joe Lieberman of Con- uh, Connecticut, among others, had dropped out of the race. King wanted to know, when- oh, so Sharpton was running for president? Yeah, good luck to you there, Reverend. Yeah, not going to happen. King wanted to know when Kucinich would make his exit as well. Logically, it appears like you're up against it. He said, why stay in? I'm the voice for getting out of Iraq, Kucinich recited earnestly, for universal single-payer health care, for getting out of NAFTA and the WTO, for having our children go to college tuition-free. Well, that's all great. Again, I, I think that's all wonderful. But who the hell is going to pay for it? <laughs> yeah. You can't promise people things uh, unless you know how to get them yeah you can't just say i'm going to give everyone a bar of gold for free and the amazing thing about that is about the only way you're ever going to do that is raise taxes up to the point while well, pre john f kennedy when taxes were like 75 percent mm-hmm. federal tax and you do put tariffs on all goods imported into the united states uh, but they're bitching about that. They don't want that to happen because it'll cause trade wars and blah, blah, blah. Well, how are you going to pay for all this stuff then? Right? Yeah! I just, I don't, I don't understand it. So, so now they think Kucinich was the voice uh, of the future. I, I don't have any big problem with Kucinich. He seems like a relatively earnest and sincere man. And again, I think it's, it'd be wonderful if everybody got everything for free and it was all fantastic and well and good. It's just, there's, well, how are you going to pay for it? That's the major problem. Uh, could somebody explain that to me? Give us a call uh, and explain it to me. We'll be right back. Tom Bernard Show. Did you know that 60% of people over the age of 60 are starting to experience cloudy, blurry, or dim vision due to cataracts? Tom Bernard here for Whiting Clinic LASIK and Eye Care. Whiting Clinic is best known for their fabulous LASIK results. You've heard me rave about them for years. But did you know they're also experts in cataract surgery? Yes, indeed. And I'm here to tell you about my wonderful experience having cataract surgery at Whiting Clinic. I'm at that age when my vision started to fade, so called up the folks at Whiting Clinic, and they helped me out right away. My cataract surgery was super easy. And thanks to the Whiting Clinic, my vision is top-notch once again. Whiting Clinic has the most advanced lens technology options, so... I can see far away and up close without wearing any glasses. If you want to learn more about your options for cataract surgery and clearer vision, attend one of Whiting Clinic's cataract seminars. Call Whiting Clinic at 855-554-2020 to reserve today. Space is limited, so don't delay. That's 855-555-2020 to learn more about your cataract surgery options at Whiting Clinic. Just like all of you, I had been hearing about my pillow and was skeptical that it was as great as everyone says. Well... I received my first my pillow and I love it. It's very comfortable, stays in that same exact position all night. Fantastic. Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pillow, has a very special offer for Tom Bernard Show listeners. My pillow is offering more than 50% off his four pack special, which includes two premium my pillows and two go anywhere pillows. If you're looking for a great night's sleep, now is the perfect time to get your first my pillow. If you already know how great the my pillow is, why not give them to everyone you know? 
Call 800-516-5146, use promo code TOM, or go to MyPillow.com. But make sure you use promo code TOM. Call 800-516-5146 and use promo code TOM. That's 800-516-5146, promo code TOM. I like this song. I don't even know why I like that song, because there's a lot of wailing at the beginning, but you know what I'm saying. Pretty good song. It is a good song. Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg expressed contrition for allowing third-party apps to grab the data of its users without their permission and for being too slow to spot and respond to Russian interference during the U.S. election. Give me a break, Zuckerberg. This guy. Oh, sorry that we shove stuff down your throat, basically. Uh, Zuckerberg plans to open his remarks with a familiar recitation of the social media platform's ability to link far-flung people together but then pivot into an acknowledgement of Facebook's increasingly visible dark side. It's clear now that we didn't do enough to prevent these tools from being used for harm as well, Zuckerberg plans to tell lawmakers. Well, that's not the issue, the only issue, by the way. It's the fact that you shove your ideas down everyone's throat who uses Facebook. That's a major, major problem, if you ask me, right? Sure. I mean, I the whole situation. Who is that? <laughs> Who's in? Uh, is that Mike Bryant? Is that Michael Bryant? I'm in. I'm, I'm in the studio. I thought so. I'm in studio. I want to hear about in, that in 500 the last two team. Segments. I was. I was. I want to hear about that 500 team that's going to play the mighty Red Sox this week. Oh, <laughs> he's, God, here we go. He, he's busy on the phone. He didn't hear it. Oh, Molina? Yep. He's busy working. At 500 team, your New York Yankees playing the uh, Red Sox this week. Eight and one hey, Red the Sox. Got a, the, t- the Twins have uh, a big here we problem go. playing the <laughs> Houston Astros. See what happens tomorrow night. <laughs> oh, He's back. Uh, we have a caller. Oh, we do have a caller. Who's the caller? All the way from Fairbanks, Alaska. We have Chris. Chris. Hey, Chris. How are you? How have you been? I'm doing good. How are you doing? We're doing extremely well. You've called in before, but it's been a while. Yeah, I've been doing some traveling and kind of getting some work done around the house. So where have you been going? Oh, God, I've been to Vegas, Seattle. Um, I went to Miami about two months ago. Oh, my God, so. from Anchorage? or from, Was it Fairbanks or Anchorage you're in? Fairbanks. Fairbanks. You went from Fairbanks to Miami. Good God. <laughs> That's yeah. a haul, brother. It wasn't too bad. I think there was two layovers, and I, I try and keep any flight to a maximum of about five hours so I can get a up ma- and walk around. A ma- yeah, that would be good if you get up and walk around after five hours. So what's on your mind today, Chris? Well, if you're wondering how to pay for all that stuff. and Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I kind of think they're going to do the same thing they've been doing for the last 100 years and just having the Federal Reserve do it. Have the Federal Reserve pay for everybody's education and health care and all the rest of it? Well, the rich people are all going to leave if you keep increasing their taxes, and then where is all the welfare going to come from? Yeah. And that's well, a that, problem. That's all they've been doing. I, I consider it counterfeiting money because that's literally what they're doing. They're just creating yeah. money out of thin air. So, well, it's only, the it's only $21 trillion. Dollars. What's that? I said it's only $21 trillion, you know. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it goes back and forth on how important the, the deficit really is, though. I mean, sometimes yeah, it Andy, seems like it's Andy the most is. important thing in the world, and other times it's like, ah, nah, that's okay. We'll never be that Compared back. to our GDP, it's really not that huge of an issue. Yeah. Just $21 trillion is such a big amount that people, people don't realize how much money changes hands every year in the world. Twenty-one yeah. trillion is surprisingly not that huge of a number it's in terms amazing. of the global economy. Yeah. Well, I, I think the total amazing. unfunded liabilities is closer to a hundred trillion. So that's a little. Is that right? A hundred trillion. Unfunded liabilities. So, like generations that haven't been born yet. You're talking Social Security, yeah. Medicare, and stuff like that. So that needs to be factored in. But no, they'll they'll do the same what? thing that they've been doing. They just keep printing money and. Inflation will hit eventually. Well, we we got it down to zero at one point, didn't we? Didn't Clinton do that? I think on a yearly basis, maybe, but not the overall debt. Well, not the overall debt, no. 
And if we go into Syria, if we go into Syria in ten days, how much will that increase? Yeah, yeah, yeah. might might be a little spendy, but what the hell? What are you gonna do? Uh, We should just go and fight everybody else's war (laughs) for them. That's what we've always done here. And then you still get people like Piers Morgan pissing and moaning that we didn't get into World War II soon enough. (laughs) Oh, pardon us. Yeah, okay, whatever you say. Honest to God. Well, Chris, you got to come to town sometime. Stop at, you have to stop at Minneapolis-St. Paul. Oh, there's a few casinos around there I'm looking to go to. I like it. That works for me. So <laughs> we'll just keep stacking up the debt and keep handing out the dough. What do you say, man? Uh, my generation's screwed. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you and I can look forward to the sweet release of death, so that's fine. <laughs> exactly. All right. Thanks, Chris. Have a good day, sir. The sweet release of death. What do you think, Mike? Yeah, I think you got a lot more to go before then. So, yeah, I wouldn't I worry so. about that. Got a while. I hope so. Why don't hang in there? You got to hang around and get me some more cases over time. <laughs> yes, uh, I, I know that's one of my jobs, so we take care of that. That's not a problem at all. There's no question about it. I just want to be I, as yeah. self-serving as possible with that response. Well, you know, it's so you you mean you're just being a human being. That's kind of how every that's kind of how everybody acts. Just the way things are. Yeah, I don't know. I it, the whole thing, it's it's all Look, everybody would like to have all the stuff paid for and this that and the other thing and uh it just I'm sorry, but what is it? Is it Norway where if well, if you get a speeding ticket, your fine is based on your net worth? Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's unbelievable. Somebody was speeding in Norway last year, and their speeding ticket was $164,000. Wow. <laughs> it was that billionaire 20-year-old. Wow. The Tevin's, yeah. Tevin's girlfriend. Like, Tevin's girlfriend. She is rather attractive. That wow. is true. And she is a billionaire. That is true. Since She's the age like of 11. 22 or 23 years old. Yep, she's been a billionaire since the age of 11. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it, that's just on speeding or all criminal cases in Norway? I don't just, know. Well, just speeding that I okay. know of. Because <laughs> I'm sitting there yeah. on crimes going, hmm, should I do this? Mm, it'll cost me this much. So it's a way to See, that's probably it. not a, a bad. I, see, what I've never understood is I've got 85 pounds of Coke in my back seat. I think I'll break the law uh, with a driving violation. <laughs> I think I I'll, just, I've never understood that. I'll go out and break my taillight. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I'll break my taillight, I'll break out a headlight, I yeah. don't indicate the, a turn, whatever, I'll speed. I'm a That's mind- what I love, when their car is 300 pounds of marijuana in the car in North Dakota, and they're doing 90 miles an hour. Yep. That's they're really smart. A minority driving through North Dakota, and they decide, I won't use my turn signal here. Yep. That, not <laughs> exactly. a good call. What do you mean a minority? <laughs> yeah, there's. Are you saying the people of North Dakota keep an eye out? I'd say they don't look like locals, is their thought, and that's what starts it. I suppose. I don't know. It's just the whole thing. I, I, I don't understand why you want to draw attention to yourself when you're committing a felony. Yeah. I don't understand. I don't think you commit felonies with a super high IQ well, as a general. That's probably rule. true too. You know. So. That is true. Yeah, see, you know, you're you're a big shot attorney. You would know that. Huge. Are most criminals stupid? Um, <laughs> I've, I've, well, I've heard a that's a possibility. So <laughs> criminal justice. Well, you know, yeah. you you handle different. You handle personal injury. You don't you don't deal with you know, like felon felony no, drug I do. dealers. I do. I still. Um, oh, do you? I yeah. No, I didn't know that. Our office does does criminal work, and I still keep my hand in criminal cases. I've done murder trials. I've done a uh, number of different. Really? Things. Yep. I've held. When's the last time I've you had a murder meth, trial? meth in a little packet in my hand in a courtroom up in Grant in Grant County. Yep. Really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was kind of cool. So how was that? Eh, you know, it's just the jury, when the jury all raises their hand thinking meth's a problem, you start off behind the eight ball as far as the case goes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can say, well, this isn't going that well since uh, they all are anti-meth uh, in yep. any case. Yeah, I suppose that's not good. How do, so uh, that's amazing. See, I didn't know you still did some criminal lawsuits. Yeah, I have a full-time criminal lawyer that works for me, but I still do some criminal work. And right, I, it gets me right. some more trials because I need more trials. I haven't had enough trials, so i got to get you you know, up more. that number. So, But don't trials take forever? Some do. Um, some are pretty what fast. 
Is there an average for a trial, a number of days a trial usually goes? The, a lot of trials I, I try, like soft tissue injury uh, cases, uh, neck and back, are oh, about yeah. two and a half days. Uh, criminal cases I've tried, I've gotten everything from three and a half weeks to a day trial. So it kind of varies on the topic and how many witnesses and how long Voidier takes when you're picking the jury. God, Catherine's case, she was on a double murder yep. jury. And she was on, on the jury for seven months. Yep. That'll do it. Seven months oh. she was on the jury. And then when the guy was found guilty of double murder, he sent me a letter saying it was my fault. He was found <laughs> I will never forget that as long as I live. Oh. Unbelievable. I only got It was only I one week enough. when I got on jury duty, and that was enough. I cannot imagine seven oh, months. Oh, you're on for one week? Yep. Yeah, Fresh 18-year-old. I got called for jury duty one time, and and basically the person who runs the jury room said, yeah, like they're going to pick you. (laughs) (laughs) There is no chance you're getting on a jury. Not a chance they're going to put you on a jury. Why? Just because I want everybody hanged. (laughs) My dad got called three times, and twice he got questioned. And it's like he'd always get upset because he wanted to make a decision. It was a constitutional thing. But, you know, dad had his opinions. (laughs) It doesn't surprise. (laughs) Dad had an an opinion or two. Yeah, I can see that. I, I, it just it amazes me, the people that get picked for for trial for juries. Oh, it is amazing. It's like, why did you put that person on your jury? Are you insane? Well, one person I know was on a jury. There was another jury member that believed the X Files was real. Oh, hey, Fox Mulder. How the hell do you? But how do you get on a jury when you know that you think the X the X Files is real? Yeah. Well, I we were That's picking scary. We were picking a jury once, and this guy was talking about how he broke his arm when he got hit by a car, and I think the defense was going to strike him. And I decided to ask him about that event, and he said, "Oh, it was the greatest day of my life." And apparently, he had been kidnapped by a predator and was being held in the basement. Oh, oh. And he got out and he got hit by the oh, car, and oh, that man. led to the cops coming and getting him away from the predator. So it was fabulous oh, that he got hit by a God. car. <laughs> I know. Jesus. Everybody in the courtroom was like, "What the hell?" <laughs> so, I would have been going, "What the hell?" Yeah, yeah. Oh, so I'll just never forget. We had a full day I, of deliberations on day one when they excused us, and it was so cut and dry. I thought it was going to be one day top, so I did not bring a bag in case we were sequestered. Oh, sure God. enough, we were. You were oh, sequestered. God. Yeah. Wow. And it was unbelievable because we could not turn this one juror who thought that the guy who did it did the. In self-defense, the guy was, who did it yeah. sounds like he was. He it, it was made funny up because <laughs> she, uh, well, yeah, she did not think it was him. That oh. was her. All, I was like, wait, wait, wait. We're debating whether or not it was him. He already admitted to it in self-defense. Wow. There was a there was he a, admitted to it. She still didn't think he did. It. Yeah. There was a famous case where this guy, um, uh, this guy got called back, and when he call, came back, he was wearing the same shirt that he was wearing in the video. <laughs> oh, <God>. Well. <laughs> Remember the baseball cap? The baseball cap. Uh, yeah, there was a there was a, a guy, a suspect, sitting in the jury in the in the box, and he's wearing a baseball cap, and the, the prosecutor says to him, "That looks eerily like the baseball cap the perpetrator was wearing when he robbed the store." And the guy said, "I wasn't wearing this hat when I robbed the store." <laughs> like, oh my God! Yeah. So that's your response. Mm-hmm. But you must hear just really, really bizarre things oh, in court. Yeah, every once in a while you hear some stuff that's strange. And yeah, yeah it's, it's, it can be very interesting. I, I get real concerned about judges, you know, because judges sit there all day yeah. and they get some of the most, most horrible, horrible things they deal with each day. Sure. And that they get this view that the world is like that. And, you know, yep, the world isn't yep. that bad. And then when they chain them up by closing the doors and put them under lock and key, they don't get out in the world and see normal people and that concerns me yeah so yeah i understand that it's 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 a man a lot of people i know ended up in prison yeah well i just it's it's really weird i suppose you know poor people is it is it absolutely a fact that poor people end up in prison a lot more than anybody that's got a few bucks to defend themselves sure i mean if you got to do you can put more money into your defense you can buy certain experts you can do things it's a lot more things that you can do if you have money versus not having money 
Yeah, you know? see, that's not fair. I no. mean, that, that, I will tell you, is not fair. Why can't we do anything about that? Well, they try. Um, and and yeah, the public I defenders suppose. work hard. I, I, there's a lot of really good public defenders out there, but it's a tough deal. Yeah. No, I know. It's very tough because they don't have the funds to fight back. And I... yeah. We'll be right back. Tom Bernard Show. Hi, this is Tom. If you spend any time at the lake, you know how important it is to have the right dock. That's why you should know about flow docks. Flow docks are rock solid with double bracing to eliminate side-to-side sway. They're completely modular so you can configure them to your family's needs or add on as your family's needs grow. And get this, you can install, level, and remove your flow dock without even getting into the water. You see, Flow's passion to invent a better way to make life easier comes through in every product they make, right down to Flow boat lifts that are quieter, faster, and effortless to install and use. Are you starting to see a pattern here? Flow is about making things easy. My friends at Flow also told me that hockey star Ryan Suter bought a Flow dock and lift as he wanted the best for his family. See for yourself why they say they've been perfecting leisure time since 1983. See them at com. Flow docks and lifts. A better way. It's Tom telling you how easy it's been for me to lose weight on the Nutramost weight loss plan. I've started up another round at the new Nutramost Plymouth location, and those unwanted pounds are going fast. I've lost over 34 pounds. Nutramost is so easy, and they guarantee that you lose 20 pounds or more in just 40 days. There's no exercise, shots, drugs, prepackaged food, and I'm never hungry. Nutramost has helped me change my life, and I know they can help you too. Nutramost of Plymouth is hosting a second free informational dinner. Learn how to have success losing weight just like me. Neil Sheehy, Nutramost client and owner, who played nine years in the NHL and is an agent to some of the NHL's current top players, will be at the dinner, and so will I, actually. It's Monday, April 30th, 6 p.m. at Jake City Grill in Plymouth, located around the corner from Nutramost, just off Highway 55 and 494. Space is limited. Call 763-333-7337 to register. That's 763-333-7337. Colburn, our special guest. How you doing, Keith? Doing well. I like the intro song. I know. Melina thinks he's a big deal because he has all these, you know, theme intro songs. But, you know, just ignore him. <laughs> we'll get through it all. You know what I'm saying. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Discovery's iconic series returns for 14 seasons, Keith. 14th season. Man. Yeah. That Crazy, is a... isn't it? 14 years on the air. That's... Uh... It's uh, pretty spectacular. I guess there's, uh, you know, it's the 200th episode. It's kind of, uh, you know, that it's rare that, it's, that shows will make it, that our series will make it up to 200 episodes. I mean, you're starting to look at, you know, shows like Gunsmoke and yeah. things like that. The Simpsons. Um, Bonanza. Um, and, uh, you know, and then, then a lot of shows are only half-hour shows. You know, Deadliest Catch has always been an hour-long show, every single show, so... They put a lot of content on the on the air. You see me catch a lot of crab, miss a lot of crab, and yell at a lot of deckhands I and mean, all kinds of stuff. <laughs> yell at a lot of deckhands. I like that. Uh, Keith Colburn with us, ladies and gentlemen. The 14th season uh, tomorrow night at uh, 9 p.m. Eastern time. Of course, uh, 8 p.m. Central. A live episode airing at 8 p.m. Uh, Eastern time, celebrating the series 200th, as Keith already pointed out, 200th milestone episode. The show continues to be one of the top shows, the most iconic for the Discovery Channel, the Emmy Award-winning Deadliest Catch. Who came up with the name Deadliest Catch, by the way, Keith? You know, that's a great question. I'm guessing the uh, the show's creator, Tom Beers, probably Tom Beers, the one yeah. that phrase. So um, we'll give Tom credit for that one. And... Uh, but it's, um, you know, it, it wasn't like he had to go out and really think too much to come up with that because, you know, given the, the nature of what we do um, and the, you know, the history behind the fatalities and injuries and stuff in, in the industry, it's, uh, it, I mean, it really is the deadliest catch. I do remember, Keith, honestly, with the first season of Deadliest Catch, I thought, those guys don't go out and get killed out there. I didn't believe it the first season, seriously. It's like, they don't get killed out there, otherwise they wouldn't do it. But 
Well, apparently they do get killed when they're out there. So, absolutely. What? What? Yeah, what, unfortunately, we do have. You know, it, it's gotten substantially better in the last decade. Oh, but, that's good. You know, I started in the early '80s through the '90s. It was it was pretty bad. And, you know, the forefathers before me in the '70s and those guys. I mean, they were real nuts. <laughs> there you. Well, where where'd you grow up, Keith? Well, I grew up in Northern California in the beautiful Lake Tahoe region. Oh, Distant chef in a really nice French restaurant. Kind of got bored with it by the time I was 21 and said, I'm going to try something different. Took a backpack and a little bit of money and flew to Alaska, and I've been going back ever since. Honestly, God, so you, at, at 21 years old, you took a backpack and some money and you flew, you flew to Alaska. Did you know you'd end up on a, on a, on a crab boat? Um, is that why I, you I went? Did, no, I, I, but I wanted to fish. I had an older friend that was up there, and he's working in the process. Oh, okay. said there's really good money. So, uh, you know, uh, you know, there's no Internet back then in the early 80s. Right, I mean, I, right. I actually did some homework, which was I wrote letters to the Chamber <laughs> of Commerce in, like, five towns in Alaska and then settled on trying to go to Kodiak and give it a shot there. Unbelievable, though. I, it, it is amazing. And as I said, that first season that I watched it, I thought, my God, it, it just... Uh, these guys actually and how long okay for for people who maybe i'm sure that everybody's seen deadliest catch but maybe there's one or two people out there that haven't seen it when you leave the harbor how long on average are you out at sea um i'd say an average trip is about 12 days 12 to 14 days at sea um and then uh you know we'll come in deliver our crab that's maybe two days at most and then right back out so you know and in the course of a month, we're at sea, you know, usually 25 days or more. 25 days a month you're out there. And you said you come back about about on average every couple of days to drop off what you've already caught? No, every couple of weeks. couple of weeks? Oh, yeah, my no. God. Yeah. No, a fast, a fast trip might be a week. You know, a longer trip can go two weeks, sometimes even three weeks if we're not catching anything. Okay, so so when you're full, how many pounds of crab you got aboard the boat, the ship? Um. The, well, the wizard is kind of rare. There's only a couple of boats in the Bering Sea that are as big as the wizard. Right. The wizard packs 100,000 pounds. Wow. 100,000 pounds of crab, and you catch that? Four, every 400,000. 400,000. 400, Good yeah. God. That's on. That's and, and sometimes you catch that much in a week or two. Uh, the fastest I ever filled the boat was in three days and eight hours. Wow. Three days and eight hours, 400,000 pounds of crab. Yeah, over 100,000 pounds a day. You must have been making money like there was no tomorrow. <laughs> I would imagine, anyway. It, it was a good trip. <laughs> it was a good trip. Do you over... Now, so so how many years... You, you've been doing this, you said, since the 80s. So how many years you've been you've been out crabbing? 30? Uh, 33. It's just 33 years now that I've been in the Bering Sea fishing crab. And, Keith, do you ever um, think you'll give it up? I mean, will, will there ever be a time you'll just go, you know, I probably... I don't know. But but it sounds like you just love it. You know, at some point I am going to step back. You know, my brother Monty, you know, his nickname is The Mouse. People know him from the show. Right, um, absolutely. He runs the boat a lot for me now. You know, I'm not I'm not grinding it out from the day that the boat hits the shipyard and delivering the boat to touch all the way through it. You know, Monty, Monty runs the boat for me at times as well, so mm-hmm. it's quite a bit easier for me. You know, and then there's a lot of, you know, a lot of work that's done, you know, in the management end of things. So, um... It's uh, right now. I'm, I'm kind of at a point where I'm getting close to saying, "Hey, can I just come up and do a cameo every now and then?" But <laughs> we're not quite there yet. So, can, do you ever eat? Do you ever eat crab? Oh yeah, absolutely. I get a freezer full of it at home. So you do. You, you keep eating it, even though you're you're around it all the time. Uh yeah, but you know, it's not like we're eating crab every day. We're on the boat. Mm-hmm. So, um, and it's uh, you know, I mean, crab's a delicacy, and you know, Alaska crab's incredible. Oh, absolutely. It's, uh, yes. No, it's not what I get tired of. I mean, that's some guy that, you know, some rancher that raises beef for a living and say, hey, do you ever get tired of eating filet mignon? <laughs> I say, I don't know. Well, one thing is that the only way to eat freshly cooked crab would be to be on a crab fishing boat. So I'm assuming you've done that before. And would you say that eating a crab that's been cooked right after it's been caught is significantly better than one that's been cooked, then frozen, then rethawed? You know, it is better. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. like, you know, it doesn't matter how 
well they they flash freeze it and they do an amazing job of that in alaska you know and all of our crab is shipped uh is shipped frozen um to the lower 48 but um yeah it's it's definitely better uh fresh it's um you know and that's one of the reasons why people are like well i like dungeness crab better and it's like well yeah but you're getting it fresh off the dock it's one you know just got delivered yesterday so um you know but uh it's uh yeah, it, it's it's definitely better, and it's you know if you ever get a chance, you ever see it somewhere, and there are little bits of it that get shipped to the lower forty-eight. It's uh, it, it's incredible. Now, Keith, is there a time of day? Like I, we're, my wife and I are in a couple of weeks ago. We're just down in, in Key West, and there were shrimp boats, or like four shrimp boats, out in the uh, the Florida Straits, and apparently, the time to catch uh, at least the Florida shrimp is is at night because apparently during the day during the daylight hours the shrimp bury themselves in in the uh in the mud and the sand at the bottom of the florida straits is there a time of day that's better to catch crab or is any time of day will any time of the day do it's you know what because i think probably the shrimp that you're speaking of are probably a lot shallower so mm-hmm. they yes. are you know more in a, a where they're seeing a lot more surface light you know with with king crab snow crab or apelio and uh Baradite. um yeah, we're probably a lot deeper water. So any time of day, any time of night. But, um, you know, when the current's really running, you wouldn't think there's current out there, you know, 200 miles offshore. But right. there is. When the current's really running, the crab tend to dig in and, they're you know, they go off the bite. Um, you know, you get some weird moon phases where the crab will go off the bite. Uh, you know, there's just uh, there's times when, when things get kind of screwy and they're just not biting or they dig in. Just like the shrimp, they dig into the mud right. and hide out. You know, and then, you know, when things get optimum and tide slacks off and you know then boom you have a feeding frenzy and that could be any time at 2 a.m or 2 p.m you never know so going from from being a from being a chef to being on a crab but did you did it take you a long time i, I used to call i guess i used to call them sea legs did that take a while uh well you know what hey i got seasick my first few years up there yeah, I was no question about that. yeah and it would take me a few days to get over it um oh. before i'd kind of get used to it so, uh, you know, now it's um, it's really rare that uh, that I'll, I'll, I would get that phenomenon um, when I'm on the Wizard, you know, just because I've been on it for so long. But, yeah. you know, I've been on smaller boats and then uh, got off the boat later that day. You know, I didn't get seasick, but I got off the boat later that day and you kind of, you know, your equilibrium's kind of a little messed up and you feel like you're still moving. Yeah. Um, so even now, you know, 33 years later, there's times every now and then where I'll, I'll kind of get that feeling. Yeah, I mean, it's a perception thing, obviously, that your your brain sees one thing and the actual ocean's doing another. Complete. Somebody told me, and I don't know if this is true or not, but you couldn't do this on a crab a crab boat anyway. But I wouldn't think, and you don't go swimming much. I wouldn't think. Uh, no, we don't go swimming much. Yeah. Well, that's like yeah, the number in, one rule on the boat: don't go in the water. Yeah, yeah. not um, in twenty degree water. Water is way too cold up in Alaska, even right. in the summertime, to be getting in the water. Right, exactly. But I was told that like these people out in you know, like, let's go Key West again. That if you if you dive in and swim around in the water for a while and then get back on board the boat, that it really helps. But I don't know why would that because it's all perception. So why would that change your perception? I don't get that. Uh that sounds like some goofy Florida wives tale. <laughs> it does. I love that. So, how do you sleep? I mean, how, is there a? Can you get an eight-hour night of sleep? Is that possible? Well, sometimes when we're traveling to and from the fishing grounds, we'll get you know six, eight hours in. Um, but uh, once we start fishing, you know, we're probably averaging about four hours a day. Yeah, I was wondering about you couldn't get much more three, four hours a day. And how how many days would would that be in a row? Oh, for the duration of the trip. Oh it might be God. 10, 12, 14 days straight where you're getting, you know, maybe four hours a day. Isn't everybody getting kind of crabby by the end of the two weeks because they haven't slept? Oh, you, you bet, man. You guys start getting crabby. <laughs> they start getting the old bearings be stare and all kinds of stuff, you know. <laughs> I like that, though. Tempers get a little short. I'm going to use that the next time some guy at a bar is getting weird. I'm saying, you get the bearing, <laughs> the bearing sea stare. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's wonderful. Now, you guys have, you know, a beer or two on board, or you just, is it all business, so there's not a whole lot of partying going on? In town, we drink like sailors. On the water, we, we're we completely dry, you know. Yeah, it would make you sense. You can't have anything at all. Not, I mean, not even just a single light beer, you know. So it's, it's all about work, and that's it. 
Yeah, that makes total sense to me. It's, I mean, 33 years, you absolutely love it. So, but you're only, what are you, 54 years old, something like that? I just turned 55. I'm getting a little gray. So you just turned 55 years old. So you think maybe one of these days you might back off a little bit. But it, do you look back and go, my God, how lucky I've been that I've, I've had this adventure uh, for the last 33 years. What a great life it's been for the last 33 years. You must, I mean, you must really appreciate the life you have, don't you? You know what? I am incredibly appreciative of my life, you know. Um, I worked hard to get to where I am, to, you know, to ultimately become a captain and then own the boat, mm-hmm. own the business. Um, you know, I've got two of the greatest kids on the planet. They're both in college. My son's graduating here in another month. Wonderful. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, been, it's given me all kinds of opportunities. Um, and that's just from the fishing end of things, you know. Right. Right. And then, uh, you know, being on TV has opened up all kinds of other opportunities and just interesting things I've gotten to do and people I've gotten to meet. Uh, you know, I, I, did, I literally would not trade my life for anybody on the planet. Yes, nice. yeah, I can see that. And your kid's going to follow you into the business or do you not want them to? Uh, I want my kids to make their own mark and do what they want to do yep. and, and try and, and, and do that. You know, I'm giving them every opportunity to do that. Uh, my son's been out there. You know, he's been up there a couple summers fishing salmon. He's been out there um, with, with me a couple of years ago and uh, made, a, made a long trip of uh, Apelio with me. So he's, he got it uh, to see firsthand what I do. And, uh, you know, getting to work with him was probably one of the highlights of my entire career. Um, so, uh, but, um, you know, it's... Uh, well, for the last four years, it's stay in school or you're going to be working on the boat. That was a boat. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Keith Colburn, ladies and gentlemen, tomorrow night, 9 p.m. Eastern Time, uh, 8 o'clock Central, of course, with a live episode airing at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 o'clock Central, celebrating the series' 200th milestone episode. The show continues to be one of the top shows and most iconic for Discovery. Deadliest catch, Keith Colburn. Thank you so much for your time today, sir. All right, thank you. Great talking to you. That'll do it. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Tom Bernard Show.